0: well hello friends church family watching around the corner and around the world we are so glad you have joined us as we celebrate our fathers this weekend just want to say happy father's day to all of you dads out there and just thank you for the investment you make and are making in the lives of your children and now many of you in your grandchildren and today i'm just really grateful for the opportunity to speak from god's word into your lives And help all of us, including myself, understand our role and our calling uh, for those of us who are dads. But before we do that, I want to say just again, thank you for all your support over these last 13 weeks or so. Uh, It has been amazing to see what you have done in and through the church. And I want to say thank you to you. Um, We have served uh, really right at around 60,000 meals helped over 8,500 people just out of this campus. That doesn't include Orange and Anaheim and our amigos. And you have given to that of your time and your treasure and your talent. And I just wanna say thanks. Before we get started, we'd love for you to join us as we're closing in on our fiscal year. And we'd love for you just to join us and help us in strong. And so if you go to friends.church and if you would uh, give this weekend to the ministry that's going on here we just want to say thank you for that and your continued sport support as we wrap up these last couple of weeks in our fiscal year but as i've been thinking about father's day um, we don't have to look very far past the headlines these days to understand that our culture has lost its way in so many areas but i think one area that isn't being talked about much because just like many things, people don't want to talk about it, is that many of our problems can be traced back to what I see as the root of all the problems. Not sure if you agree with me, but we've kind of lost our way in what it means to be a parent, what it means to to be a dad. The home, uh, as we know, in many places has been fractured, which means our kids have been fractured and we see it being lived out in our world. And with a sliding scale of values in our country, what you value, and how you live out those values, fathers and your grandfathers today, it matters now more than ever. I read some information from a survey of, of 701 American fathers, ages 18 and older. They had at least one biological or adopted child under the age of 18. And, and here is what some of the findings said. That 91% of fathers, they just felt inadequate to actually be a father. I remember I was one of those. Um, It's one of the reasons we waited five years or so before we had kids, because I was so scared to actually be a dad, I didn't want to be a dad. I felt so inadequate and and still do many days, so I can relate to that. 81% felt dads would perform better if they stayed married to the mother of their child while raising them. 50% of them said that work got in the way of being a good dad, followed by culture, media, and then financial problems. Listen to this, 99% of those surveyed said that being a father was a pretty important role that they played in the family, and then it was an important role they played for society. And yet we've heard those statistics maybe, or we have heard that one in four children live without a dad in their homes. Our kids are four times greater to live in poverty without a dad present, or two times greater to drop out of high school. They're more likely to commit a crime or to go to prison. They're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol and more likely to be abused and neglected, not to mention all the development issues that happens from infancy through adolescence and into adulthood. So with more than 20 million children growing up without a father in the home, we on this Father's Day wanna see what we can do to be all that God has called us to do and who he has called us to be. Many today have children But many people today don't want to be parents if they're honest. Sometimes in our self-absorbed culture, children can seem more as a liability and burden instead of a joy and a life-giving responsibility. So God comes along in his words and he says, Hey dads, I want to remind you of your ultimate calling as a father. And I want to remind you what that means at all stages of their lives when it comes to fathering your children. Moses understood this calling as he was moving his people into the promised land. After 40 years of freedom and of wandering in the desert, they were about ready to go into this new land to conquer what God had already said was theirs. And he clarifies what is most important. He reminds them of their ultimate calling and gives this clarion message from their God and for their God. And his number one concern was not for their safety, not how they would make a living, what they would conquer first, who was going to be in charge, none of that. You see, his number one concern was that they would remember they would remember to transfer their faith to their children and to their children's children. And Before Moses passed on his leadership to Joshua, before he walked away and his voice was a distant memory, at 120 years of age, he wanted to make sure that it was God that captured their heart and not just what God was about to provide for them in this promised land. Moses, well, he had watched previous generations forget, and he was bound and determined this generation would not forget. So he crafted a a well-orchestrated and passionate speech for anyone interested in the legacy they were to live and the legacy they would lead. God is used to setting forth reminders for his people as we are people who are just prone to forget what is most important. And it doesn't take us very long before we're off track going 100 miles an hour, caught in the craziness of this life, and we forget what God is ultimately calling us to be within the lives of our families. And before we know it, We forget what's most important, that God has called us to live and leave a legacy that is centered on him. And I just want to say today, your legacy lives on as it's being lived out right now today. In Deuteronomy chapter six, here's how he starts this chapter. These are the commands and the decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you Your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, The Lord is one. You see, in one phrase, he summed up everything with one word, God. Scripture in Genesis begins its story with, in the beginning, God. And it goes on and said, and God said, and God said, and God said, which ultimately means what we say is secondary to what God has already said. And when it comes to the family, the same thing is true. You see, I I didn't pick my mom and dad. God did. I didn't pick my children. God did. I may have thought I picked my wife, but really my parents had been praying for my wife long before I knew it, and God used those prayers for me to pick who he had planned for me. How else can you explain a kid from Missouri meeting a girl from Perth, Australia, who wasn't even a Christian when we met, and now she is the wife of a pastor? Seriously? I'm not that smart. It is God. And Moses comes along and he says, everything is connected to the one true and living God. And if you were Jewish in these times, these words in verse 4, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, well, they would ring true for you. This verse has been called the Shema, from the Hebrew word translated to hear. And the statement in this verse is the basic statement of faith in Judaism. It means the Lord, that Yahweh is totally unique. He alone is God, and there is no one like him. And Moses was setting a foundation and reminding them of the uniqueness of their faith in this one true God. You are surrounded by people who believe in all sorts of God. But you stand alone, Israel. There is only one for you. And as a family, this is who you worship. This is who you will seek. This is who the God you will love and serve with all that you are. He is the Lord, our God, and he is one. This is your only foundation today that will be secure no matter what comes your way. I want you to know I affirm this in my children over and over, and I think they know beyond a shadow of a doubt where we as a family stand and who we stand for. See, our family trusts in God and no one else. I try to let them hear me speak that and pray that, and hopefully live that out. That this Shema is the power of God and the story of his character that connects every generation to God and his goodness. And so Moses sets this passage up with that reminder. And then this is the command he passed on at 120 years old. Don't forget everyone, this is your foundation of faith. And this is the foundation for the next generation and all the generations that will come. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Moses was saying, parents, if you love God, then you just gotta be all in. And Dad. Dads, I know it's hard for me and for you to to transfer a principle when our actions sometimes show partial participation and marginal obedience. Let me say that again. It's hard for for me and for you to transfer a principle when our actions show partial participation and marginal obedience. You see, when your kids see God as something you kind of just check off on Saturdays or Sundays, instead of someone whom the foundation of your whole life depends upon, well, I don't know that they're too pumped to to follow him when under your care. And then when they leave your home, many leave their faith behind as well, because honestly, it just wasn't that important to you. And that is not what we want for you as a church or for your family, and it is never, never too late to change. Because, see, I do believe that your legacy lives on as it is being lived out today. So how do you live that out today in our world? How do you live it out in your homes and for your kids? Well, we don't have all the answers, but we have some. So today I've invited two pastors to join me, as all of us have kids right now in three different age spans. So Pastor Chris is going to come help you dads with kids that are really in that zero to ten time frame. I'm gonna speak into the awesome teenage years because I got two kids and one a young adult in that area and Pastor George from our Amigos congregation. Well, he's gonna speak into what it's like to have a young adult now and what it means to be a dad to them. We're gonna talk about what it means to shepherd our kids' hearts as we come alongside of them and show them, as we help shape them and prepare to send them off as ambassadors for Jesus Christ in this world. So today we wanna help you understand that you really have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to be a parent, but you also have an obligation to probably change your parental job description as your children move through these three stages because each one requires something different from you. And all of this isn't easy. But with God as your foundation, I can tell you it is possible. Pastor Chuck Swindoll said this, each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. And those memories are being embedded into their hearts for good or for bad. And we hope to help you today move towards Jesus and all he has for you and your family as you love him and serve him and model him throughout your lives. So before we worship together again and jump into our interview, would you just take a moment and, and bow your heads with me in prayer? God, we thank you that we get to serve the one true living God. We thank you by the power of your spirit that you dwell within each of us that call your son, Jesus Christ, our savior. And God, we thank you that it is through that empowerment that you help us to represent you, to live now the legacy, we, the legacy that we want to live on later. And as hard as that is in different light stages of being a dad, God, we pray that you would just today speak to each one of us. I thank you for every dad that is here. I thank you for the investment they're making. I thank you that all of us, God, we're far from perfect. But you've given us families and children to raise, and I pray to love you and to seek you with all their heart. And if we're just honest, we need help today. So, Father, we call on you, our Heavenly Father. We say thank you for every dad that is watching, that is listening. Would you speak to each one of us so that we might be able to speak into our kids the hope that you have for them and the hope we have for them as well. God, we thank you for this day. We get to set apart to celebrate our dads. And Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just stop and we say thank you for your love for us. We love you. We ask that you would use your word to speak to us and to draw us to yourself on this day. It's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, I pray these things. Amen. Well, I've been joined by uh, my friends Chris Ward and uh, George Norina, who are both pastors here at Friends Church, and we're going to talk to you, as I said a little earlier, about really uh, helping us understand what it means to be a dad in kind of each generation. And so, Chris, you have children right now in that zero to ten kind of frame. I do, so, tell yes. us about your kids. Yeah, and yeah really, yeah. tell us a little bit about how you show them or model for them Jesus. In your life and in your home as a dad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I have three kids: uh, Lucas, who's six; Madison, who is three and a half, I think. I think yes, and then Mackenzie, who just turned two. And that word "show" is the is the perfect word for the kids that are my age right now. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you know about kids when they're younger is that uh, they just are sponges and they just soak up all that is around them. In fact, kids kids in the ages of the the my kids are. They learn more by observing than when you just sit them down and actually begin to teach them something. In fact, it's funny because my son Lucas uses the word basically all the time. And uh, after one of the times he used it, I looked at my wife and I said, why does he use that word basically so much? And she laughed at me and she said, Chris, you use that word all the time, (laughs) you know, so they just pick up whatever is around them. And so that's why, you know, in that Deuteronomy passage that that you read earlier, the, the verse that really stands out to me is verse seven, when after we're told to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, it says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And what that shows me, especially for the ages that my kids are, is that God wants to make sure that that talk about God, that bringing God into the family is not just relegated for one portion of our week, Sunday mornings when we're going to church, or in this case, watching church, but God really wants us to make sure that we are talking about Him all the time and that we are modeling as parents, we are showing our kids how much we love God and how important He is to us. And so that, I think, is more than anything what my wife and I take seriously in this stage. We just want to show our kids by our words and by our actions how important God is to us and how He, you know, we want to involve Him in all areas of our life. And so that shows up in a bunch of different ways. One, of course, we, we pray before every meal. Uh, we always do our prayers before bedtime. But also, like, you know, if someone, one of the kids is sick in our family, one of the things that we do is, of course, we give them medicine, but then we, pause for a second. And as a family, we'll say, God, would you heal Madison? Would you help her feel better? Would you heal Kinsey? Uh, When when Lucas is nervous about something with school, you know, on the drive to school, we'll we'll pause for a second and say, God, would you help Lucas not be nervous? And so we're praying all the time. And that's a way that we bring God in. And then also my wife and I just try to talk about God a lot. Uh, Lucas went to a friend's house recently and his friend's house was a lot bigger than our house. And uh, when he came home, he said, why, why isn't our house as big as, as my friend's house? You know, And there's a million different ways that you can answer that question. But what I believe, and I believe it's true. And what I said is I said, Lucas, I said, this is the house that God has given us. Yeah. And he believes it's the perfect house for us right now. And so we need to be grateful for the house that God has given us. You know, And so it's just trying to find ways to show our, our kids in a very natural, very honest way God is the most important thing to us. He is involved in our life. And so we want to bring God into everything that we do. And what's really cool is I think we're beginning to see the fruit of that. So there was an incident a couple of weeks ago. I'm doing this midweek Bible study through uh, the book of Revelation. And it was a Tuesday night before the very first class. And my wife and I were in the living room. Lucas was in another room. And I was really anxious about it. And my wife could tell that there was something wrong. And so she said, what's, you know, why are you preoccupied? And I said, I'm just really nervous about this class. And right after I said that Lucas heard it and he came in from where the room where he was, he put his hand on me and he said, dad, I want to pray for you right now about that. And he just started praying and he said, God, would you help dad not be anxious? Would you give him everything that he needs for this class? And as he said that, you know, I just got this huge smile on my face and my heart was just melted. And I thought, where did Lucas learn to do that? You know, he learned to do that because that's what his mom and I do for his brother, you know, for his sisters. And that's what we do for our family. And he just was a sponge and he just picked that up. And I thought, you know, I know that my wife and I are doing a lot of things wrong (laughs) in our parenting. But that showed me I think we're just we're doing at least one thing right, right, you know. And so that I think is just my encouragement to anybody who has young kids, just realize that your kids are sponges. They're always observing. They're always watching you. And so just show your kids by your actions, by your words, how much you love God, how important God is, and, and, and just model that for your kids. And I know that they will pick that up and hopefully that will serve as a foundation for the rest of their lives. Yeah,
0: Maybe Lucas read Revelation and knew how hard it was to actually interpret <laughs> Yeah, that may have
1: been another piece of it too. Yeah, definitely it was. So that, that's what we do, we're not perfect, but I just think this is an age where you just show your kids how they're supposed to follow Jesus. But I'll tell you what, Matthew, what I'm most interested in is the stage that I will be heading into sooner than I know it. And that is the teenage years. And so the question I have for you is how in the world do you raise your kids in the teenage years to to love Jesus, to love God?
0: I'm not sure, so I need help with that. But I have uh, three children. One is grown out of the teenage years. Nolan's 21 now, Sophie is 19 and Ella is 16. And I think you use the word that they're a sponge, and so you got to show them, you got to impress them. I think in in this season, it's a time of shaping. And in shaping them, um, it's always sending them back to God, but it's built on not just my trust in God that they see, because now they're they're observing with with a different lens. You know, they're observing and being a sponge, now they're observing and questioning. It's like, I'm going to question this, and they're going to question authority, and that's kind of what we all did. It's part of growing up. But one of the things that I'm trying to instill in them is my trust in God and my obedience to him, but also my trust in them. Uh, I grew up in a, a pretty rural oriented home. Uh, I wasn't a, a big rebeller, but I, I mean, I remember just some of the rules and I was like, gosh, this is just awful. <laughs> and everything was so restrictive. And, and I just thought to myself, there seems to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And we have some rules, but we have very few Like for us as a family, we've just never had a curfew for our kids. Some of you might choose to have one, and that's fine. But we just had a a trust with our kids. And it's kind of amazing to watch uh, when we just said, hey, we're going to trust you until you don't give us a reason to to trust you. So don't have a curfew. Just tell me when you're coming home. Now, we want you home at, at a decent hour. The crazy thing most of the time is our kids were home before midnight without us even asking. In fact, Sophie was home most of the time before 11. And I'm like, what is going on? I couldn't wait to stay out past 12 and, and break my curfew. But we had a relationship and it was always built on trust. And I said, you know, you guys, I just want to trust you. And as long as I trust you, then, then we're going to be good. And you tell me where you're at and what you're doing and we'll have a, a good relationship here. But it was built on trust. And it doesn't mean that they, they didn't break that trust and some things went wrong. But most of the time we could talk through that and there was an understanding and there was built on love and and I got to shape or speak into them in a a season where they were beginning to look and kind of question authority and wonder if, can I trust this? Can I really trust them? And I think God told me not only impress them, but I'm gonna walk alongside of them and walk alongside of them in their teenage years. I can just tell you for us, it's been an awesome season. The season you're in was amazing, loved it. The season that we're in right now, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I know there's parents that have gone, man, they can't wait to get out of the teenage years, or I would never want to relive them. I just think we had something pretty special. And I wanted them to grow up. I really did. I wanted them to grow up, and I wanted them to grow up, and I needed to let them kind of develop into young adults. And if uh, I wasn't going to let them grow up, they would have not grown up. And so part of that was trying some things, making some mistakes, but having a good enough relationship that we could talk through it. And everything wasn't perfect, and it won't be. But we just decided, hey, our relationship with God's gonna be important, but our relationship with you is gonna be really important. And it's built on trust this way, and it's built on trust this way. And now they're going into young adults. And um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what to do. It's been interesting during COVID, having a 21-year-old, I said it before, and a 19-year-old. And, trying to parent them or not parent them. Mm-hmm. And so, George, um, you are a little bit ahead of us in that. So tell us about your children and kind of the stage you're at and kind of how you're helping kind of send them and help them be all that God's called them to be.
2: Well, my oldest son is going to have a son. Wow. So that makes me a grandpa, <laughs> uh, I guess. What's I don't up, know. Uh, uh, I'm not ready for that. Okay. so. I... He's gonna have a kid, yeah. that, I'm keep it as that. Um, he's 33, um, my daughter is 26, and my son is 24. Um, and uh, they graduated, and uh, I don't know why, they came back home. So, uh, they, I, don't know I don't know if they're teenagers or, or they're young adults. Uh, sometimes they wanna be young adults, but when it comes to some things, they wanna be teenagers, they wanna be kids. Um, for us, uh, actually, uh, one of the biggest challenges for me, uh, I, I grew up without a dad. So, Nobody trained me. I didn't go to Fatherhood 101. Uh, It was just on-the-job training as I go. and usually goes bad. Um, For me, as a Hispanic parent, uh, the biggest challenge is to relate to my kids here in this country. Uh, It's very different uh, because uh, a different language, not the Spanish-English, but the language in which they live, they go to school, they they do things. uh, Generations are different. Uh, We're not alike in many things. So that makes us uh, a little bit afraid of trying to engage. Uh, Sometimes we try and they call us old fashioned uh, in many ways. So we try to maintain a distance uh, when they're growing up. But I tell you, as they grow, the problems grow. And uh, it gets worse because they're more painful than they were when they were kids. Uh, I think the job uh, right now for me is more of a rescue. That's the word that I will use, rescue. Because yeah, you let them do some things when they're teenagers. Well, at this age, you go back and you rescue them. Because some of the decisions they make are not the best. Uh, as a Hispanic dad, uh, most Hispanic dads, and maybe here too, but uh, in our culture, uh, the dad is the provider and the protector. So the main priority at the house is to provide meal, provide things, and just do that. So they come to this country in order to improve and everything else. So they are great at doing that. They're amazing, good people, but they are not investing the time to provide besides uh, material things, time and spiritual things for the kids. Uh, We were never uh, based on those. We were never uh, uh, good parents unless you provide. So I have an issue with our congregation that you have to learn how to do it, but they're afraid. They're saying, you know, George, it's, it's a war out there when, when, you, when you go. Because, and I tell them, it's a war. I mean, they are in the world. The world wants to take him this way. God wants to take him this way. we well, you're in the middle and you're fighting hard, but we don't know how to do it. For a long time, I felt like I didn't have the tools to do this or the strength to do this. I didn't feel a warrior to go out there and, and rescue my kids from a situation or even deal with them. So it wasn't until I, I was doing a Bible study on a wild heart. And uh, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, it says, the Lord is a warrior. And that stuck with me because then, you know, if I am made in the image of God, I guess my DNA has some warrior in me. And I thought, okay, but I still was not sure about how do I do that? If I'm a warrior, why am I afraid to deal with my kids? Why am I afraid to actually be a parent to them at that age? It was easier when the baby is with your baby, you tell it what to do. Actually, you take him by the hand and you take him somewhere. You tell them what to do, they do it. In this case, you know, you can't do that. They have a life on their own. They think they know everything. So it wasn't until I read in the Bible, in Judges chapter 6, the story of Gideon. You know, he was afraid, he was shaking, he was hiding in the back. And the Lord came to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And that was my image. I was hiding behind, I was shaking, I was afraid to be a dad. But I felt like God is talking to me saying, George, you're hiding, you're shaking, you're afraid, but you are a mighty warrior. And what I realized was that, you know, the God who created me saw in me those ingredients to be a warrior dad. And that's when I started being bold and taking chances on you know, confronting my kids, being able to uh, rescue them from situations, and actually being able to be bold and provide more than just material things, provide time. And not to provide for them, but to provide myself to them. And at that age, I didn't think it was important, but it was very important you know, to communicate, to talk, to be able to, and I'm at war with my time, with my resources, to try to put them aside and spend quality time with my kids because they're busy and I'm busy. But I'm at war every day. I'm a warrior trying to get that time, trying to get that quality time, and more importantly, to provide those things that sometimes we don't do. As a Hispanics, we don't, we are very, Males are very, very serious about being dads. They don't talk too much, they don't embrace too much, they don't kiss their kids too much. They don't love them the way they're supposed to, but they do. It's just that they don't know how to express it. So you have to be a real warrior to be able to hug your kid and tell him, I love you son. And I've seen many people do it and I was having a hard time with that. Now they cannot get enough. I love it, man. I'm a warrior out there. So I tell you, who is, you know, maybe you have situations with your kids. Maybe you're having issues. Maybe you're having challenges. Maybe you're fed up with your kids. I don't know. All I can tell you is that it's never too late to become a warrior for you to go out there and rescue them, for you to fight for that love, for you to fight for that relationship and for you to fight for your family because you are a warrior. And for young adults, I think they would love to have that legacy from that. My dad was a warrior.
0: Thanks, George. Thanks, Chris. Um, for us, uh, we're three imperfect dads. But we do know that God has called us to love him with everything that we are and to impress it on our kids, to help shape them, and then to walk alongside of them as they grow older and as they grow up. And it's a privilege and it's a responsibility and we're grateful for our church and all of our dads that are representing and watching today. And George, I'd love for you, if you would just take time to pray over our dads yes. uh, as we wrap up this section. Thanks.
2: Lord, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be sharing with, da- with dads. I'm pretty sure there are many dads that don't feel that they are good dads. And uh, maybe there's, they're, new, they're looking for the perfect dad and that doesn't exist. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to try to imitate you. And I want to love my kids the way you love us. So I pray for the congregation, especially today on Father's Day. I pray for those dads that they need to step up, that they need to be warriors, that they need to love their kids in a way they have done not before, in a way that their kids will be proud of them. We have it in us. It's up to us to do it. So I pray that you give us the courage to go and move out of our comfort zone and love our kids, our daughters and our sons. And I pray, Lord, that you can give us wisdom to guide our, our sons and daughters through this, you know, all the ages until they just go and fly away. I pray, Lord, that uh, we have enough wisdom for us to let them fly, but enough wisdom for us to teach them your teachings, to teach them the best way to be guided, to be a son of God, a daughter of God. So thank you for the opportunity today. Thank you for celebrating Father's Day. And I thank you for these parents and these dads that we have with us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
0: For all of you dads, I know that these stages take some growth and change probably from you, as it did for me. And at every stage, you have such an important part to play in your child's development and into the godly young man or a godly young woman that God's calling them to be. I want to remind you your voice matters, and we want you to always have a voice that they want to listen to because they know that you are actually listening to God. My brother two weeks ago sent me a voicemail that he had saved of our dad calling him to just say hello. Uh, My dad passed away three years ago this September, and I miss him. But I really didn't know how much I missed just hearing his voice until I heard it again for the first time in almost three years. And it was funny. He just said, "Um, hello, this is your dad. It's 430. Just wanting you to know what's going on and if you're coming over. Call us back and let us know. And he said, okay, (laughs) bye-bye. My father um, had his flaws like all of us do. But his voice mattered in my life. Because whatever stage I was in, I knew his voice was one of love for me. Scripture tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. And so I knew my dad wasn't perfect. But in every stage, he loved God and he loved me. And he loved me, and he gave me a foundation that was consistent, never wavering in his convictions. And he modeled for me what it meant to be all in for God. From a young age, he modeled what it meant to follow Jesus, which then gave him the ability to help shape me in my teenage years because he was just so consistent in those convictions and his love for God that I actually wanted to listen, and I trusted him as a trusted voice. And I can say when it came time for me to leave the home, he was able to send me away to be all that God had called me to be. And I am so grateful for the relationship I had with him up until the day he passed. And not once did I ever, ever question his love for God or his love for me. Today, fathers, your legacy lives on as it is being lived out today. See, fathers, God has shown you what he wants from you. And I just want to encourage you, show your kids, help shape their lives, and send them off to live in love like what they were able to see in you. Perfect? No. But obedient to God and His Word? That is our prayer. And again, I just want to say Happy Father's Day. And thanks for joining us online. And I pray you have not only a great day, but a great week.